when the Holy Spirit leads the mission of the church, you are moved in directions you never planned to go. Unexpected people are reached and the family of God, the, the church grows in rich diversity. That is the summary of Acts chapter 6, verses 6 through 34. I'm not going to take the time to read all of this, these collection of verses to you now, but I would encourage you to do so later. These, these, the stories that encapsulate this passage that we're looking at today could each be preached individually. They each have their own lessons, but, but I've combined them. I've combined, chosen to put them all together to show us, to demonstrate the power of the gospel to save everyone and the beauty of God's love for every single human being. This story, the, the three stories that we're going to look at in just a moment, uh, the introduction to those stories begins with God's workers. That is you, that's me. It's everyone who, who has gone out on mission for Jesus in their life. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas, verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You might not realize it, but what I just read is the introduction, the, the opening salvos of the gospel going into Europe. Now, of course, Paul and his companions did, did not think of it in those terms. They did not think about that they were going from one continent to another. They were simply going to another part of the Roman Empire. But the Holy Spirit was conscious of this. I love what Campbell Morgan wrote. The invasion of Europe was not in the mind of Paul, but it was evidently in the mind of the Holy Spirit. Y'all think about that. The impact of the gospel throughout history is largely something that has grown out of Europe and into the rest of the world. In the scope of history, Europe, has been a primary driver of missionary work for centuries. It, here in the United States, we think of North America as being the, the central hub of, of Christianity. But, but before the gospel came to North America, it was sent from Europe to, to, to South America, to Central America, and of course to us here in North America. Yet none of this would have happened if Paul's team had not been open to the Holy Spirit changing their plans. A.T. Pearson in his book, The Acts of the Holy Spirit, called what the Holy Spirit did double guidance. What do we mean by double guidance? Well, the double guidance is this. The Holy Spirit said no to the direction Paul thought he was supposed to go in and then opened the door to the other side. The guidance is both a restraint and permission. Prohibition and permission. God says no here, but he's only doing so in order for you to look somewhere else and see the door opened 
in a new place. Pearson, in his book, gives examples of how this is God's way so often of directing people into great movements for him. Think of David Livingston, the great missionary to Africa. David Livingston wanted to go to China, but God sent him instead to Africa. No to China, yes to Africa. Before him, William Carey planned to go to to Polynesia in the South Seas, but God instead guided him to India. Adirondam Judson went to India, but first was first, but then was driven to Burma. What about you? Where is it you think you need to go? Are you open to the Holy Spirit? Saying no to one thing, prohibiting you from going to one place, only to give you permission to go to another place. Are you open to the guidance of the Spirit to lead you into places you never thought you would go? That is what led Paul into Europe, and all of us should be grateful because we in North America received the gospel from those in Europe. And why? And it is why we have three beautiful stories that illustrate the limitless power of Jesus' salvation. You see, Paul and his fellow missionaries ended up in Philippi, verse 12 of Acts chapter 16. The Bible tells us, on the river, From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. And on the Sabbath, verse 13, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We expected to find a place of prayer. That is what led Paul to Europe. And it's why we have these beautiful stories that illustrate the limitless power of Jesus' salvation. Paul and his fellow missionaries end up in Philippi, verse 12. And then verse 13 tells us this. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Let me point something out to you about this moment. Paul's practice in every new city he entered was to go into the local synagogue, the local Jewish synagogue, and witness there first and then work his way out to the Gentiles. But here we see evidence that there was no synagogue. How do we know this? Well, first of all, they went out by the riverside to find a place of prayer. Secondly, it mentions and references specifically women. You see, in order to have a synagogue, you had to have 10 men. There was this, there was this rule that for some reason, women couldn't organize a church. And since there were not, not at least 10 men there, could be no synagogue. But they still found a place where people were worshiping God, or at least where these women were worshiping God. And so Paul and Silas sat down and they began to talk with these women. They began to talk with these women. I love that Craig Keener in his massive commentary on the book of Acts writes, in small groups, the discussion would be informal. Since it says we spoke, There is evidence here of interchange. It was a conversation that was taking place between Paul and these women. The sort of dialogue one might expect in something like a smaller household setting or a small group. Know what we just read here? We're about to read, actually, about the first European convert. 
We're about to read about the first European convert. And guess what? That convert in Europe comes from a small group. Look, churches are great, but, but more people are going to be reached when we get into smaller groups of relationship with them. Here's what the Bible tells us about that convert. Verse 14. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Tyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer, she said in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. The first convert in all of Europe converted in a small group was a wealthy woman. We can deduce by the description that she was a wealthy woman based on the fact that she was a dealer in purple cloth. This indicates that she, that she mingled with the elite. This was a very expensive material. It cost a lot of money to have and only the rich and elite could have it. She had her own house. She was, in other words, an independent business woman. An independent businesswoman. What's interesting is the second convert in our story, the second convert in Europe that is mentioned in our second story is the opposite, is on the opposite end of the social spectrum. Verse 16, once when we were going to the place of prayer, so again, they're going to the same place of prayer where they had first met the ladies. We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. By the way, when I read that, I, I won't lie that this has the potential to appeal to our sinful natures. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get annoyed with people. And it was nice to read that Paul sometimes got annoyed too. But, but then I looked up this word. By the way, when I read that passage, it, it appealed somewhat to my sinful nature. It may appeal to yours as well because I at times get annoyed with people. And it was nice to read that Paul gets annoyed too, but, but then I actually went and looked up this word and in the Greek it can mean disturbed or, or concerned. So maybe Paul wasn't actually annoyed, but he was concerned for the young lady. He was disturbed by, by how possessed she was of the devil. Whichever emotion Paul had, God used it to save this young woman. This young woman was not an independent businesswoman like Lydia. She was the business for the men who owned her. And her business, and thus the men's money, was a result of her being possessed by a demon. And Paul, in his concern, in his disturbance, maybe even in his annoyance, he performs a miracle and casts that evil spirit out of her. And she becomes a convert, a follower of Jesus. Ellen White, writing in her commentary on the Acts of the Apostles, said this, Dispossessed of the evil spirit and restored to her right mind, the woman chose to become a follower of Christ. 
Convert number two. A slave girl possessed by the devil. Convert number one. An independent businesswoman. Two women on totally different ends of the spectrum. Convert number two leads us to convert number three, which came as a result of convert number two. Verse 19 of Acts chapter 16. When her owners, that's the girl who was just delivered from the Spirit, realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. Man, wouldn't that be great if Christians still threw cities into uproar because of the power and the works of God that they were doing in the midst. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice, Verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. This act of violence and injustice against Paul and Silas is about to become a doorway to the salvation of more people. Sometimes we so desperately want to get out of our, our difficult times. Sometimes we so desperately want to be freed from, from the, the, the struggles in our lives. But what we may not realize is that, is that God knows we can handle that and God is using that struggle. God's using that difficulty maybe to be a witness, to save someone else. Paul and Silas, in their discomfort, prayed and they sang songs. They sang hymns together. The other prisoners are listening in when suddenly there is a violent earthquake, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison are shaken. At once, all the prison doors fly open and, and the chains fall off all of the prisoners. When the guard woke up, he realized something. His life was over. He probably quickly assessed the situation. He saw the doors open and he assessed the situation. He was going to be killed one of three ways. Either the prisoners were about to come out that door and overrun him and kill him, one. Or two, his bosses were going to kill him for not taking care of the prisoners and not and allowing the prisoners to escape. Or number three, he was going to take his own life. He could do it himself. He could, he could die at his own sword, which he would maybe see as an honorable act. And there in the dim light, I, I imagine in my mind's eye that Paul and Silas saw him. Maybe, maybe the moonlight was shining through, backlighting him in some way. And, and in the dim light, they saw him draw his own knife to plunge it into his own heart. But Paul shouted, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The prayers, the witness of Paul and Silas somehow had kept all the prisoners in that jail. And when the jail, jailer realized all the prisoners were still there, he had one question. The Bible tells us, he asked, what must I do to be saved? I don't even know if he knew what that meant in that moment. But he knew that Paul and Silas 
were connected to a power that he lacked. He, he knew that, that, that Paul and Silas were, were different than any other prisoners that he had ever cared for. He had one question, what must I do to be saved? And, and Paul and Silas had one answer to the jailer's question. Verse 31 of chapter 16. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And then, and then they told him about this Jesus. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour, the Bible tells us, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately him and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. A jailer, a Gentile jailer, now becomes a part of the family of God. It all started with Paul and his companions being, being open to God closing one door so that he could give them permission to go into a whole new continent where the gospel was planted. Three stories, three stories as a result of God's people being willing to move, be led by the Spirit to go to places that they did not plan to go. Regions that they did not plan to visit. And then in chapter 16, we see the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of the love of Jesus. There is a prayer in the Jew Jewish liturgy, liturgy that states, and it still is part of Jewish liturgy, I thank God that I was not born a woman, a slave, or a Gentile. But in Acts chapter 16, Luke beautifully reminds us that Jesus doesn't care if you were born a woman like Lydia or like the slave girl. Jesus doesn't care if you were born a slave. Jesus doesn't care if you were born a Gentile. Jesus doesn't care if you were rich like Lydia or poor like the slave girl or middle class like the jailer. Jesus doesn't care about any of this. What Jesus cares about is saving you making your life better. The jailer of the Bible tells us that, that, that joy filled their household when they accepted Christ. This chapter gives us an illustration of what Jesus will do to save humanity. With Lydia, it was a conversation in a small group. With the servant girl, it was a miracle from God to deliver her from a demon. And with the jailer, it was a natural disaster, a crisis that he was facing, life and death crisis. In each case, God used something different with all, all with the same purpose, to save these individuals. Jesus is pursuing all of us. He's pursuing all of humanity. He's pursuing you right now if you are running from him. And when you surrender your life to Jesus and allow him to change you and make you new, like Lydia, though she was rich, she was all the more rich in her heart. Like the slave girl who was in bondage, she was now set free 
by the power of Jesus. Like the jailer, though desperate and on the verge of taking his own life, just like that, his whole household was filled with so much joy. This is the limitless power of Jesus. In Acts chapter 16, we observe the universal appeal to the gospel no matter who you are. We see the unifying effect of the gospel. When the Holy Spirit leads the mission of the church, we are led to unexpected places. Uh, unexpected people become followers of Jesus Christ. And the church, the family of God, grows in rich diversity. You know what I think is so beautiful about this story? What I imagine in my mind is that the next Sabbath, the next time they gathered to worship, there was Lydia, the rich, independent businesswoman, sharing a hymnal with the little slave girl, and on the other side of the slave girl, a Gentile jailer worshiping and singing along with them. Folks, if our church is not full of people that are different than us, then we are not being the church. Because when Jesus leads the church, we are moved to unexpected places. Unexpected people are won through the power of the gospel, and the church grows in rich diversity. Jesus wants you no matter who you are, and he's pursuing you. And he wants you to hear what Paul and Silas said to the jailer. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for anybody watching right now who has not accepted you as their Savior to, to realize it doesn't matter who they are, what they've done, where they come from, that right now, if they will allow you, you will enter their lives and you will change them. You will set them free from sin. You will give them riches beyond their physical means. You, you will fill their houses, their homes, and their hearts with joy. Oh Lord Jesus, please pursue all of us and may we allow ourselves to be caught by you, to be rescued by you, to be taught by you. And Lord Jesus, I pray for us, myself, others that are listening that are believers, help us to be open to the leading of the Spirit. Because he may just have a plan for us that, that is beyond our expectations, beyond our imaginations. And if we follow that plan, our churches will truly begin to look like the family of God. The family of God that we see here in the book of Acts. A rich businesswoman, an impoverished slave girl, and a Gentile jailer, all worshiping in one church together in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Help us to be that church. In your name we pray. Amen.